1: Hello and welcome to the New Books in Japanese Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Um, I'm Raditya, your host for this episode, and today we are joined by um, Dr. Yanis Gaitanidis, who is currently assistant professor at Chiba University, to talk about his latest monograph, Spirituality and Alternativity in Contemporary Japan, Beyond religion there's a question mark at the end of that um title uh before we get into the book can we get a short sort of self-introduction about you um and maybe your work um for sort of a few minutes
0: sure uh thank you for having me first of all um i think this is my first podcast so uh i'll try to be uh um as good as i would like to to be on the on the podcast um yes yeah, so i'm uh since last year actually i'm an associate professor not, not that it matters much but uh, um, at chiba university and i have been uh, in japan for for the last uh, 10 years or so um since i finished my phd at the university of leeds in 2011 and um, i've been working on um uh, let's say alternative therapies uh um, and people who make a a business out of it full time or part time um, and I have also in the meantime also looked into um, the history of such therapies in Japan um, I have also looked into um, uh, topics such as occultism and esotericism and how such concepts uh, apply perhaps to outside of the European mostly European context in which they were developed um so and and all kinds of contemporary things that let's say uh, go out or are located outside established institutional institutionalized organized religion uh, in Japan i think that's it basically <laughs> okay yeah great thank you for sharing that um yeah so this book
1: explores Spirituality in sort of contemporary Japan um, by examining sort of three important facets of sort of this phenomenon, sort of the, the therapist, or sort of the spiritual therapist, um, scholars um, or sort of academia, and the publishing industry. Um, and I think this is this is a very fascinating approach that not a lot have taken. Um, but before we jump um, sort of into the contents of the book, um, can you share some of the some of the origins of, of sort of the book? How what got you interested in sort of this the topic? And, and, and how did this, this sort of book um, come to be?
0: Sure. Um, um, so, basically, a lot of the data was collected for my doctoral uh, work at the University of Leeds. So, a lot of the interviews, originally, the interviews um, were done in in mostly in the year 2009, 2008-2009. And... Um, uh, after I finished the PhD, and by 2012, I had already uh, published some of the arguments uh, in about four papers. So, uh, between 2010 and 2012, um, a lot of what I say in the PhD um, had been come out, let's say, in individual papers. Um, So, this is not my PhD, basically. Uh, This is not my doctoral thesis and uh, it would be unfair to publish a, a, a thesis uh, twelve years later or something so um but what happened is that um between two thousand and twelve and uh and and when I started writing this um I, I think a lot of things have changed and and perhaps to to put it more clearly um actually two thousand and twelve is a very interesting year and uh, you, you if you if you think about what came out that year. Um I think you you had the, the special issue on um religions after Ohm, I think in the Japanese Journal of Religious Studies, uh edited by Erika Bafeli and Ian Reader, which made a lot of interesting points about the state of the field uh of religious studies. There's a an interesting article by Ben Dorman on a scholarship um after Ohm. There was also, uh, 2012 was also the year that um, Jason uh, Josephson um, published his book, The Invention of Religion, uh, which put a lot into question, right, Uh, in terms of um, how do we uh, think about uh, the concepts. in in of course in historical perspective, but even today I think it has a lot of relevance for contemporary discussions. Even if it's not the book is not about uh, contemporary Japan. There is also uh, 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 Jolion Thomas also had his first book out, drawing on tradition. I think that was also 2012, and and that finally uh, did something that was very uh, important. I think, which was to to. St- to criticise this idea that we can find in media and anime and stuff like that, essentially uh, Japanese spirituality or something like that. So I think he he provided a very, very important criticism at the time uh, that we couldn't find anywhere. And also, uh, Mm -hmm. another book that came out in 2012 was uh, uh, Wuta Hanegraaff's book, which uh, uh, was uh, trying to frame, uh, uh, in European terms, the study of esotericism as a kind of uh, coming out of um, a particular rejection, let's say, of certain uh, historical events and persons um, uh, in the study of religion, which is something that um, he has uh, basically... um, associated with the importance of the study of esotericism in in Europe. But I think what, for me, was more important was um, uh, his uh, um, criticism of religionism, this this, uh, this way of looking at religion as something um, changing and shifting uh, through time, but at the same time as something that has an essence that remains unchanged and um he he criticized uh, people like of course e- e- Musea Eliad and others uh before and after him for espousing this particular uh, approach to the study of religion so for me um and there are other books also um I, I can say a bit more about that the two thousand and twelve was kind of um um a year that uh, I had all these papers out um and uh, and and all these new ideas coming on and i I started thinking about how to reframe um, my study um, in a book. And this is, um, I think I mentioned this in my book, that my first plan of the monograph dates from 2012. Um, so um, to answer the, your question, that was a very long answer, but to answer your question, basically, um, uh, the book, it took 10 years because I, I, I had to, first of all, look at what happened and all these therapies after uh, the so-called spiritual boom or whatever uh, and after, I mean, on a longer term to, to find out um, how does the life develop um, and, and how does uh, their ideas about what they're doing uh, changes um, through the years. And I also had to find a way to... Um, place all my interest, uh, particularly in, in terms of how uh, the study of religion should be also the study of things that are contributing to the construction of what we think religion is, such as uh, healthcare and uh, in the book, at least uh, therapy and uh, economic precarity and all these things that I, I think need as much um, analysis as uh, whatever we call religion. So it took more time basically uh, than I had thought, but I think I I got there.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, there's there's just there's so much packed into sort of this monograph that I, I feel like the the title makes it seem as if it's actually a lot more simple than than what the contents are because there's there's so much things you're talking about here. Um, and and I guess we you know when 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 you're working on on sort of a, a topic that's contemporary, sort of within that. 10-year um, period, a lot is, has changed, right? Like Sipi that you sort of mentioned um, in the book too, that that has sort of um, changed form and like the names changed too. Um, but yeah, um, okay, so let's start by talking about this term, spirituality. Um, and it's a very loaded term, as you sort of touch upon in, in sort of the introduction and in, in, in most of the book as well. Um, but it's often discussed in conjunction with Um, or sort of as an alternative to religion. Um, But you're sort of taking a slightly different approach in sort of this book here. Uh, Can you perhaps talk a little bit more about this, sort of what is the history behind sort of this term, I guess specifically in Japan, uh, and and sort of how do you understand this term in your research and how do you sort of use it?
0: Right. um, So... um... Basically, how I started rethinking the my original research was to look into how and why uh, scholars started using the term. I think that was quite um, important uh, t- for me to frame uh, the entire book, actually. Even if I only spend a, a chapter uh, on uh, scholarly discourse on spirituality, it actually helped me to find out how scholars uh, talk about it precisely because until actually um, um, much later, I mean, even in the mid 2010, so, so uh, perhaps about 10 years ago, if you wanted to find uh, a book, uh, read a book about uh, contemporary spirituality in Japan, let's say, um, that was accessible, I was talking about what was happening in the previous decades, so in the 2000s, what was this so-called spiritual boom, etc., you had to rely on, a, perhaps you know that book, um, Isomura Kentaro, a, a journalist uh, book, on on which is about precisely the spiritual boom. And if you look carefully into that book, uh, you realize that he, he mentions so many of the research, Shimazono Susumu and uh, it it, it oh, all and, and and people who had uh, published about spirituality before or during uh, those, I mean, in the early years of the 21st century. So it, I realized that it was so much in, so important to to try to find out that this kind of um, loop that I describe eventually in the book between. Uh, scholars writing about spirituality and journalists reading about spirituality and talking about it and then of course the therapists who um, perhaps don't read uh, scholarly works uh, uh, that often but uh, are also engulfed in these um, uh, descriptions of this thing that is supposed to be new. So the, the starting point for me was really to try to understand how uh, um how spirituality in katakana just became a, a kind of keyword to try to grasp whatever was uh, the this contemporary uh, religiosity that uh, scholars were talking about and um the point that uh, i i focus on in the book was uh, these uh, the creation of uh, this um uh Association uh, for the Study of Religion and Society, the Shakai Gakkai right, uh, that preceded the Aum uh, affair. But uh, in in its first years and towards, I mean, the, the late nineteen nineties, um, it was entirely almost occupied with this uh, idea of spirituality, and and even before that, the uh, Seishin Sekai, the right, the the spiritual world, this category of books. And I looked in the proceedings of these the workshops they had uh, from which came out a lot of the books that considered spirituality in scholarly terms um, later and, and to, to see how um, scholars started um, shifting from um, religion as a term to to understand contemporary religion, to um, trying to include uh, New Age movement uh, and uh, the seishin Sekai into the discussion, and to later actually trying to say that, well, I mean, we we really need a new term to try to account for all this is happening and and adopting spirituality as a term for the study. So uh, for me, the term spirituality... uh, um, is, is something that um, in the book at least I, I locate in the late 90s. But of course, you can um, find it uh, early on, even in the late in 1980s, uh, in translations of transpersonal psychology books into Japanese, where it appears again. But it's not used in a in a few. If you want a uh, in a scholarly analysis it's um it's 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 not in the same way that it doesn't carry the weight that it will be it will have later in the late 90s and early 2000s
1: okay yeah um interesting thank you um so in chapter one you you sort of you focus on the sort of a spiritual therapist um, through, well, you know, your own sort of encounters, your field work with sort of these practitioners, um, but also through sort of secondary scholarship. Um, and, and you're trying to push back against sort of, sort of this notion that these therapists are so preoccupied with the spiritual adjective and that they are, well, first and foremost, therapists. Um, but can you, can you elaborate more on that? How, how do these sort of therapists understand their own practice?
0: Right. So, um, um, s- s- the therapists that I um, encountered. Uh, it's important to say that the uh, most of them I encountered them, as I say, towards the end of the so-called boom. Right, this media kind of uh, attention and focus on on this term, the spirituality and, and this figure of Ehara Hiroyuki. So when i counted them and how, that's how also how i found them was through uh, the use of this uh, keyword spiritual and then therapy um so um i, I they associated what they did and described uh, what they did uh, by using that term in mostly in reference to what uh, their clients would know about that term and this is most obviously Uh, this uh, TV personality of uh, Ehara Hiroyuki. Uh, But also, and this is where it was important to actually wait longer to actually write about them in a book, uh, that term uh, spiritual tended, after a few years, to actually be replaced by something else, dropped out, uh, or the meaning associated with it, or what they meant by it, uh, tended perhaps also to shift uh so some people might uh, use used it originally as a as something to talk about you know spirits and and past life and and things like that and later um they would perhaps change uh, their minds and focus more on how spiritual is about the self and 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 the 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 state of uh, a kind of state of um a good self and developed self and things like that so um they, I, I think that mean like like in school, like for scholars uh, spirituality and spiritual particularly as an adjective changed uh, and shifted as uh media also perhaps uh, uh lost interest in this particular term and as um uh more and more um Other terms, or perhaps um, uh, other other publications, or other other kinds of therapies, uh, uh, came into Japan or uh, were developed within uh, Japan uh, uh, from the mid two thousands until more recently.
1: Yeah, I mean this this is something that I, I also find personally really interesting. Um, and, and just sort of with, with sort of my own work with, with sort of um the anime, Pokemon, which phenomenon this sort of seiyuu genre thing. There's something very similar with like you have all these associations, that sort of all these research groups that um you know not only include sort of scholars but also journalists and sort of people from the media and people from the tourism industry and sort of they, they influence one another as they sort of try to understand what this thing is. Um, and it's interesting to see that something similar has sort of happened with sort of spirituality and sort of the, the spiritual therapist as well. Um, and, and I guess well, while we're sort of in that topic, um, let's move on to chapter two. Two, um, where you sort of explore the role of of well the sort of academia and sort of the scholars in constructing sort of this discourse um and spirituality, um yeah it's, it's a very reflexive look right <laughs> sort of this phenomenon you know um looking at the scholars as well who are um sort of shaping uh you know, sort of this this thing, um, and you mentioned figures like you know earlier, Shimazonosuzu. Um, for example, can you maybe give us an overview of, of how their work, um, or maybe their interaction with sort of this this discussion of spirituality, um, influenced public discourse, um, and understanding on this topic.
0: Right. Well, I, I think. Um... To, to be honest, uh, in, in this time and age of you know social networks, etc., and if we talk about the contemporary topic, uh, re, not just religion, in ge- but in general, I think it, it, it's almost necess- always necessary to to include uh, a kind of reflective um, um, section on, on of how scholars engage right with uh, uh, the topic and how the uh, since you know in, in some way. Particularly if you, for scholars who are very um, active on Twitter, for example, uh, or in other media, uh, you know, traditional newspaper media and journals, but also on uh, social media, I, th- I think it's in- inevitable that uh, you know, scholarship uh, and scholarly uh, uh, arguments um, are. Um, um, you know, propagated in, in in many ways, perhaps also sometimes misinterpreted, etc., um, and influence uh, um, public opinion. Obviously, this is a good thing and a bad thing. I mean that, regardless of that, it, it's it's not just spirituality, but I think any any kind of topic uh, really needs, in contemporary terms, to to deal with this aspect, and that's why that's exactly uh, also how I. Um, uh, thought about this not in terms of okay let 's criticize uh the older guys to to say something new obviously um it but it 's more about this um, some of these uh, researchers on, on spirituality have been very prolific uh which is always obviously a good thing but I'm, I was trying to find out um uh, the the degree to which i mean the the their arguments may have changed. And, and I was surprised sometimes that um, some of these arguments have not changed for the 20 or 30 years. They, they may be been used in the same um, different, uh, sorry, uh, kind of different vocabulary, but the message is perhaps there. And, and I think well, we all have some kind of message. Uh, I would like to think that maybe in 10 years um, my message is different, but well, who knows? But uh, at least... Uh, I think every scholar has some kind of thing right to 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 get through their scholarship but uh uh in in, in the case of spirituality I think the the particular the, the the critique um of you know the study of new religions and the study of spirituality and um has f- had focused very much on methodology and you know and and how the OM affair had uh, basically um uh shown that um, um religious studies scholars and uh had done it wrong basically uh, and um and w- although i'm not engaging in that particular argument I-, I use that argument to say that well ha- have uh, have they really changed uh, after om because a lot of the scholars of spirituality um, studies uh, there. Um, motivation to to use that term and to focus on uh non institutionalized or non established let's say uh religious practices was that they felt uh that um things had gone wrong before right as i described in chapter 2 and 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 i wanted to find out how had, had they really managed that and 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 i think to, to my um uh, let's say my results show that well i don't think they they really cha- they really had changed their methods uh, they they still uh, of course they they looked at uh, things that previous uh, regenerations of scholars hadn't but they still kind of um uh, had this idea that uh, there's this evolutionary um frame in which religion is pushed is, is kind of uh, you know um uh, thrown into as, as a as going through various stages and the the apex of that stage the the most recent format of that is spirituality but under that frame there is this unchanging um, very kind of ossified um, essence of, of this this kind of popular religion that is hidden and that is um, a, a, Kind of appears in different re- periods in, under different kind of um, shapes, and it used to be new religions, and now it's spirituality. And I thought that uh, yes, perhaps they, they have, after all, they they scholars of religion looked into different and newer uh, um, things that hadn't been uh, analyzed before, but their approach remained the same. They 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 looked for. Um, uh, this kind of essence that uh, uh that that also has some kind of um therapeutic uh powers uh, uh at least to to kind of change society or for to 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 uh even after 311 particularly to actually to promote a a, a better uh, better communities and 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 a more kind of uh uh, how to say, a collaboration between institutions and religious institutions and, and general society. So that's basically the argument of chapter two, is this have really anything changed after all? Maybe not. <laughs> something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I, I certainly sort of feel something similar when I when I read just, you know, any work on sort of religious studies tutors. Every time like a new approach comes out, there, there seems to sort of still be this underlying uh, feeling of of maybe not really nostalgia, but like as as you sort of you mentioned before, like that there's there's something that stays the same. Like all these new forms that we're seeing right now, they're new, but there's there's something that sort of remains there. Um, yeah, it is interesting. And I mean, I guess if you sort of think about it, like think about like, you know, this podcast too, right? Like maybe someone interested in sort of this business, and maybe they, they might come um and this sort is of, you know, they 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 sort of listen to sort of our conversation and that might influence their their thoughts and sort of the way they do things as well. Um yeah. Okay. So um and sort of moving on to sort of chapter Three, um, where you sort of discuss the publishing industry um, and sort of its role in the, sort of this entire um, spirituality culture um, and, and it's sort of interesting because as you've sort of pointed out in, in sort of this chapter as well, despite sort of print materials all these books playing such an important role there's barely any discussion on the people behind them um so you know you, you sort of you, you look you sort of you interview some of the editors the translators um from sort of these sort of interviews that you've had with them how how do they sort of understand seishin sekai right sort of this category um what are some of their concerns and their interest um sort of uh, in, in the topic
0: Right, so um, this particular category that was uh, very much, I mean, there is a lot that hasn't gone into this chapter that, I mean, for problems of space. Actually, this chapter uh, used to be double the size and the one I had to cut a lot, um, um, my wonderful copy editor, Jane Capel, helped me out, cut some of this stuff. But uh, there was so much stuff that uh, could be, put into it because of the uh, the the work of the translators do and some of the editors in the 70s and 80s i think established a lot of what we consider today as Seishin sekai and and um i mean in this particular in the book what eventually came out uh, in the publication one of the key arguments is that um uh the some of the um publishers of these books in in the late 1970s and 1980s, which later became labeled or already were labeled perhaps also association sekai did not consider those books as particularly uh, religious or of a kind of new age or or things like that but um they were placing them in in a longer history of um Publications that were supposed to um, uh, help you, uh, you know, get a better life or find um, uh, uh, solutions to issues that you may have with your uh, business, with uh, your family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, uh, um, th- th- there were there were, in a sense, um, finding that. Um, Especially um, in the '60s and '70s, when the, the publishing market in Japan kind of had its really the, the so-called the, uh, really a golden age of, uh, because there was so much stuff going on and a lot of small publishers coming out, uh, they were trying to find, of course, niche um, publications, and, and some of that uh, had to do with um, uh, this literature of. Famous people or people who had uh, were not famous but uh, had been very successful in life, uh, and that had a, a particular way of uh, talking about their lives or, or interpreting what happened to them. Well, those people um, uh, were um, published, so they they published these particular uh, publications as a, um, and some of them were basically, uh, what we would say later, new agers, if you want, or people who had also uh, some particular uh, experiences uh, or um, had a, 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 let's say, out-of-the-world perspective on life. Um, So that's the the idea that uh, these publishers were not really, I was trying to say that they were not really alternative, but they were... Uh, basically that placed them in a longer history uh, that goes back perhaps even to in the 19th century of publishers that uh, focused on popular books that were supposed to help readers um, uh, kind of get through their problems, if you want. Um, and later in the 90s of these. Became a, a really a, a kind of category, right? The the jikoke hatsubon, the self development bo- books that um, we we uh, we find often in bookshops. But uh, I think that there was uh, the seishin sekai is only kind of a, a small section of a of a larger category that has a longer history than what we attribute it to um, today. That's the gist of the chapter, I think
1: yeah okay um all right yeah thank you interesting um all right uh so chapter five um is sort of really important to talk about because um these sort of practitioners sort of these spiritual therapists I feel like they've 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 always been sort of portrayed by the media but also by scholars to a certain extent as sort of marginalized figures and sort of in this chapter you you discuss precarity sort of in this spiritual business. Um, so I'll ask a somewhat complicated question to answer. What, is, what does precarity mean to you? And from your conversation with sort of these, these sort of therapists, how, how do they see precarity um, themselves?
0: Right. So yes. After. So this is the the second section of the book. Right. So yeah. Um, the book is yeah. It's built it's into two Which yes.
1: you have mentioned. Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no, no. Just it's okay. I mean, it's just that. So the first three chapters are more about discourse, and the the next three chapters are more about perhaps practice and and particular uh, how the, the lives of these uh, speech therapists, and 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 I found. Uh, I mean that. Um, uh, the as 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 the example i mentioned in the very introduction that um many of of the, the therapists um uh, live in, in a sense a, a, a precarious life in terms of the, the salons are uh, as i mentioned are most of the time not very successful uh, they, they don't really um uh, manage to you know to get through more than a year or maybe two years, and and those who are successful are, are really good actually and managing obviously businesses because they are the small the small business owners right, and so if we think in those terms, it's very easy to understand how precarious this uh, uh, if you want sector is uh, if if you think of you know small business owners in general in, in this particular. State of the economy, especially after the 2008 crisis, etc., etc. So I understand precarity in that sense. Uh, obviously, I also understand precarity in the sense of, and I place them in the sense of how um, uh, they consider uh, their their clients, obviously, uh, as precarious. Also, that they they have these. Uh, Issues um, with work, uh, with family, and and how um, uh, what they do, uh, the therapists, what they do uh, with their clients, kind of helps their clients to go through these uh, precarious moments in life. Uh, so, in, in a kind of wider sense of uh, of precarity, and um, and I also link uh, this um, with the the, uh, the the gender aspect, right uh, and. Uh, Uh, the fact that uh, um, a lot of the therapists are women who uh, went out of um, company jobs uh, or or other kinds of um, relatively lucrative jobs sometimes and and quit those jobs because, uh, in their own words, they they didn't have any, um, uh, let's say, they didn't. They couldn't see a future, uh, a career. Uh, they, they, they experienced all kinds of uh, difficulties, uh, including harassment, etc. And they moved into this particular uh, sector of uh, this the- spiritual therapy sector with the hope that this would change. But then, of course, they would also face all the kinds of precarities, including the, the problem that within the, this particular sector um, there was also. This uh, kind of gender divide, w- with um, you know um, some uh, uh, women being labelled as more prone to be good therapists and men not, and 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 all these kind of um, expectations uh, that uh, um, clients had uh, on uh, um, what women uh, therapists uh, were supposed to be able to do, etc., etc. So there was this uh, precarity in that sense as well. Um, okay, that's the short answer. Let's say.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I, I think I think this is why sort of and an sort of a, an ethnographic sort of approach is really important when it comes to something like this, because you know if you just sort of focus on, on sort of, you know, materials and sort of books and stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, on, you know in, in contrast to sort of this precarity and sort of this business, uh, there's, there's all these sort of, again, media portrayals of like, Therapists and sort of everyone really instead of the special business is like you know they're just trying to make as much profit as, as they can you know they're like they're making a lot of money from like um all these um sort of sessions by by basically you know like fooling people and everything and there's like the, the the association of of lawyers against what is it, spiritual business or something like that? I can't quite remember the, the Japanese spiritual term. Spiritual sales, yes. Yes, yeah, spiritual sales, right. Um, so sort of just for our listeners who are not sort of familiar with, like, the, the condition here in Japan, uh, there's a lot happening with that. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of important to sort of talk about sort of the other side of, of sort of this, this entire discourse. Um, right, so... Uh, I guess, um, somewhat related sort of this topic, um, my sort of final question, I guess, is, uh, you know, we have all these, this sort of spirituality based business that's come under criticism in Japan as sort of what we talking about. Um, and, and often, you know, because as you've mentioned too, this is because all these businesses are judged in relation to air quotes, religion, right? Um, and this is, this is obviously problematic as, as you've also discussed, um, but you provide a case study or at least an example that I find really interesting. Um, what you call the spirituality ditchers, um, that, that's so spiritual, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk about sort of these people and and how do they see or how do they understand the economic aspects of spirituality business?
0: Right. So, uh, chapter six, yes, uh, goes on, um, this, uh, the, the critiques, right. Uh, of all these. And, um, uh, at some point in 2016 i think it was 2015 and i was looking into um uh all kinds of uh blogs about um people cl- criticizing basically uh, speech therapists and and of course the criticism is old but you, you always find it in uh, scholarly as you said you know um um work or or uh, journalistic work but you you rarely find it in um at least until then uh, so out loud in in blogs by people who had been originally let's say very fond of these uh, therapies so I looked into uh, I had a um, a research I got a research grant for for a project to look into this particular topic that eventually led me to actually look also into the legal aspects that uh, um, has since last year have suddenly become even more relevant. Um but this particular this the the uh datsu the, spiritu as, as a kind of keyword that came up on Twitter first I think in 2012 and then later mostly in blogs of uh, of not many people actually. As I mentioned, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, blogs out there and, and articles and and etc. But it's they're actually produced by very few people as is always the case in, in in social media but the, these particular people had a very interesting approach in, in that they kind of agreed with the rest of the critics of um speech or therapies and the, the business in general so the the you know the the sociologists uh, that um, blamed you know the uh, these therapists for uh, um, uh, as he said duping their clients or, or the the journalists who who looked into the money but they, This um, people who had been fond of speech but suddenly uh, changed their mind and thought that um as the salons are in mostly in general uh, kind of uh, uh, bad for you had the same argument which was you know um if 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 it, if something is good for you you shouldn't be having to pay so much money for it basically so it was it was a, a kind of a, a, a capitalist critique um but they had, a, but this, what the difference was, of course, in a sense, and perhaps it's not that different, but uh, this is a, another story. But the difference was that um, they they didn't criticize uh, the need for this kind of spiritual or therapies or spirituality in general. They criticized the, uh, if you want, the way that these transactions happened or the the fact that uh, people would uh, get uh, so called addicted to this and and. Would uh, basically constantly um, try to find the new therapies, the new technique, you know, the, the new kind of trend, and and spend so much money without really realizing what they cons- the, what they consider to be, you know, the fact that spirituality is for you to be a, a better person, basically, and 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 that should be all, not not something to consume, let's say, yeah. right? So um it was interesting to, to look into this critique um because um I, th- I thought it it had so much to do with uh, the the latter half of the chapter which is really about the, the lawyers and, and the, the the critiques of uh, the speech of business as some kind of scam and some kind of fraud and 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 i found it very interesting that um uh, on, on a legal perspective um Up till at least uh, last year, um, the um, none of these. If if someone doing this kind of therapy would go to court or would have a a legal issue, let's say, uh, these issues were never really dealt uh, because they had a particular religious character to them, but because uh, they were dealt as consumer issues, basically. Yet some people uh, tried, uh, and they managed indeed in. 2018 and uh, enacted in 2019, this new kind of section in the Consumer Contract Act, where you have uh, reikan shoho, this spiritual sales, this term becoming uh, suddenly a legal term um, that characterizes uh, and describes supposed to describe any kind of fraudulent, let's say, transaction based on. this uh, sales technique that you know puts fear into you in order to uh, get you to buy something um, that is uh, it, who, who, whose powers or, or whose effects ba- are based on things that are not uh, uh, provable uh in in scientific terms let's say so um the what the teachers criticized. And what the let's say the lawyers or the the, the non criticized in the speech of therapies, ha, I, I thought stemmed from a, a very kind of common um, um, moral imperatives of, you know, sincerity and and and, and the fact that uh, you know when you buy something, uh, you need to have enough information about it um uh, and and otherwise it, it would go against the laws something like that right so the, there is this basic framework uh, that we all work in and which in influences the way that we uh, criticize certain transactions as criminal or, or fraudulent or, or not and, and and i think that's obviously a a question that continues and this is actually the project that i've been working since uh, um last year even before that uh, on on trying to to make a, to look into the history of what these spiritual sales are and how they have come up as a, a new legal category and how since obviously last July um, they have made the news and led to a new uh, regulations um, uh, regarding uh, you know um, uh, the monetary transactions with religious institutions or or non-institutions, basically. Um, So it's an ongoing um, project, let's say, but uh, Chapter 6, it kind of starts the discussion, hopefully.
1: Uh, Yeah, um, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a very, I mean, especially sort of here recently in Japan, right, sort of this idea of there's like, there's a corrupt sort of religiosity, again, air quotes, um, and, and how that sort of uh, plays a part in, in like the law and sort of legal system. You know, it's recently entered the public discourse again with sort of the assassination of, of Shinzo Abe and people sort of talking about like all these new religions and everything. Um, so it's a very, definitely a very sort of um even now, very um, sort of contemporary uh, sort of topic, um, but yeah, we've 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 taken um, much of your time uh, today, uh, and usually we would ask um, you know our guests to sort of talk about their um, current projects, and you've you've talked about that, so that's that's great. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, you know, for, for everyone who's sort of interested in learning more about sort of spirituality and through th- um, the therapist and everything, please do um, check out um, Dr. His, um book um, and also look forward to um, uh, his, his sort of uh, latest uh, projects. Um, yeah, um, and I'll see you on another episode of New Books in Japanese Studies. Goodbye.